You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. We're back. Hey there, slutty scholars. It's Simone, and we know you have been waiting and waiting and waiting for us. So patiently. This is Nicoletta. So patient. You've been just such good little boys and girls and folks. We're so proud of you. Can't take this seriously, huh? <laughs> I just know how much Simone loves being called a good a good little girl. But we are really stoked to be back. So thank you for your patience for the month of July. We firstly we wanted to spend some time with each other and hang out, take a little vacay. But also we, we went were, to a hot springs that we were allowed to be nude at. Nude. We were also really busy recording some amazing episodes with some wonderful guests and kind of taking stock of like what do we want to do next? What are our next moves? Because the iTunes debacle really like threw us for a, a brief loop. It did throw us for a loop. Um, so what we're doing today in order to whet your appetite for the season to come is we're going to share with you an interview that Kinkcraft did with us about the deplatforming, our personal deplatforming, but also just the general shittiness of sex workers and any sort of sex work adjacent, sex adjacent, pleasure adjacent, adjacent accounts getting fucked and not in the way that we're trying to promote. Yeah, so we hope that this episode kind of explains what happened. We know a lot of you have questions or had questions, and we are so grateful again for everyone for sending messages to Apple Podcasts, for supporting us, for the messages of support and love. It really like helped us keep going and reminded us why we're still doing this. Okay, enough about the bad. What can they look forward to on this season? Oh my gosh, so we have interviewed some really fantastic guests, and there obviously will be more to come. Um, but we're, we'll, we'll give some spoilers. I know you hate spoilers, but let's do it. Buck Angel. Ah! Buck Angel. Joan Price, who <gasps> uh, talks about sexuality and aging. We know a lot of you have asked for that. Uh, whores of Yore. Oh my God. So amazing. So exciting. Uh, Susanna Brisk, the sexual intuitive. Or maybe I understand a little bit more woo-woo, but unclear. And our friend Lucy Fielding, <gasps> who talks about uh, trans spaces uh, in psychotherapy. God, there's just, there's just so many, and we can't wait for all of you to hear it. And of course, as always, we appreciate your pitches, ideas, telling us about your friends, your lovers, people you love. Just bring it. Yeah, and we've been thinking about featuring a slutty scholar nugget during the week. And so if you want to share one of your slutty or scholarly stories, we would love to share it on the podcast or on Instagram. It could be anonymous or we can tag you in it. So please DM those to us or send them to us at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. And if you want to keep supporting what we're doing, please, please rate and review on all podcast platforms that you listen to. And patreon.com slash slutsandscholars where you can have access to all of our bonus episodes and content what voice is that i don't know i just really fucking want them on our patreon (laughs) well apparently that was a sultry voice to get you to go to our patreon so we hope it worked please enjoy this episode from kinkcraft and we look forward to sharing our new episodes next week okay so we are talking to sluts and scholars yeah 
if you'd like to introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a marriage and family therapist and sexologist. I'm Simone. I am Nicoletta's friend. I'm also a law student, and I really like to talk about sex. (laughs) (laughs) And two years ago, we started uh, this podcast together uh, as friends and life partners in some ways, but not romantically, some mostly. Um, We've been doing this for about two years now, and it's been mostly wonderful, but definitely some struggles and barriers along the way, because as you know, when you talk about sex, people get really threatened. Um, But otherwise, it's been going great. Yeah, and we don't only talk about sex. We really talk with people across like the full spectrum of like sexuality, relationship, kink, professional spectrums. Um, and so it's really anything about bodily autonomy, sexual autonomy, reproductive autonomy. And yeah, like Nicoletta said, that's threatening for people who don't feel comfortable with true autonomy. Um, I must admit, I had a, you know, sort of a quick look and you cover a really, really wide range of topics. It's great. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of variety in what, in what you cover and the people that you talk to. Thank you. I yeah, think, no, it's good. It's very educational too. Yeah, absolutely, I think, really good. You know, from what I was listening to, the slant is, is very much on education. I think so. I think it's like giving people the tools to feel informed, to make their own decisions and, and feel supported. Um, I've definitely had, at least in my practice, I've had folks tell me to like pick something more specific and to stick with that. But I don't know, sex and everything attached to it isn't always specific. And so we, we try to cover a wide range so it speaks to a, you know, speaks to a little bit for everybody. Oh, I think you both do a really good job on that. Thank really you. Do. We like to think we're combining irreverence and expertise. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're, you're very human. You're very human. We are human. It's, it's not like, yeah, it's not like somebody's talking to you or anything like that. It's, it's a conversation that you can join in on. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope the rest of this podcast is just you complimenting us. Because <laughs> it's very lovely. Thank you. That's the way it usually goes when we talk to people. <laughs> thank you. That's what we do too at the beginning of ours. Usually it's Simone or I like fangirling about our guest. Um, yeah. Or like because we think they're cool or hot or funny or mm-hmm. smart and awesome. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's about right, yeah. Yeah. I think so. When I saw your your post on Twitter, I think that's the bit I understand the least is the fact that you have been deplatformed by Apple when you are such an educational podcast. Yeah, so we have since been put back on, but it was like such a saga. And so I was, I think I was out of town or I don't know, but I got an email without any other like prior warning or anything that said, um, your podcast is no longer available on iTunes podcasts. Um, and it gave no information, like no reason why it basically said like, fix the issue. Um, and then you can reset it, but it didn't. Yeah, but they wouldn't say what the issue was. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Sounds about right, yeah. yeah. So then I like frantically, you know, email our team and I, I text Simone and I'm like, what, what is this? What does this mean? Um, and so I guess it's people who had subscribed would still be able to like have the past episodes and sometimes the new episodes. But I spent hours on the phone trying to get through to iTunes, like reaching out to see if I had any connections, emailing with tech support. And like, it took like many hours of calling and like labors. It was labor. I don't know. It was really laborious. Yeah, labor. Yeah. And like, yeah. 
a hundred emails or whatever. I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but a lot of emails back and forth because we finally got them to say why. And they said, it's because there's explicit content. We're like, but we're marked as explicit. Uh, We've been marked as explicit. So we're marked as explicit. And then I said, well, um, can you help us understand (laughs) what constitutes explicit? Oh, oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, Yeah. I I kept asking and I kept asking and they literally would just copy and paste explicit. Oh, you can't have explicit content. Like just not answering the question. And so after like a million emails where I laid out like specific questions and just kept poking and bothering and poking, they finally were like, oh, we don't have a list of what is explicit. Um, but it's sort of like, you know, what like the lay person would think explicit is. But, but with regard to where, like the list of words, they al- we also had to poke, or Nicoletta really did a lot of this labor. I was very busy at work for those few days. Mm-hmm. So just shout out, shout out to Nicoletta for really taking this on. Um, <laughs> but they finally told us that it had to do with words in our episode descriptions and episode titles. And bear in mind, we've been going for over two years. And the episode that had just released that week was... Uh, with Amber Heard, and it wasn't really that explicit at all. I mean, sure, we said, like, fuck in it, but it, it's not like one of our far more, quote-unquote, salacious episodes. Um, so that's what yeah. was so weird. But sorry, Nicoletta, back to the list that they would not give us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a team effort. Like, Simone was the one who then went and, like, edited most of them. But so we found out after much prodding that, like, you're allowed to have explicit content in the episodes, but you can't have explicit language or content in the titles or the write-ups of your episode. Ah, so you could literally yeah. have like a porn podcast where you're like fucking on. Oh my god, podcast, great idea! But you can't say, but you can't say like, <laughs> in the description we're fucking on the podcast. And then we got like different feedback about if you could self censor your words or not, like using a, a hashtag or a you know a star sign. Yeah. Some said that that wasn't enough and you could still be taken down. Others said that that was okay. But then we're going, I took like a deep dive to see what other podcasts are up and about. Um, and I mean, we're not the only ones who this has happened to. This is happening, you know, across all platforms, especially oh, course, yeah. for, for sex workers or sex adjacent people. Um, well, they tend to be a bit of a target. I mean, the whole adult industry in general becomes a target, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we talk about it as like sex work adjacent, but you know, now it, it happens to, to us too. Um, mm-hmm. Educators and, you know, just appreciators of sexuality. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had to go through and clean up every description and every title. And I mean, what's tough is I think like, like social media, um, they don't go through and like check your stuff. So we obviously got approved when we first signed up with the, the name mm. sluts and scholars. Luckily they said using the word slut. But is pussy okay. is not. Um, but but cock pussy is. is not, but cock is. Can you believe that? Uh, That's uh, yeah, but we won't get me started on that one where you, uh, it's okay for a certain gender. I mean, and it's not for another. it was like Nicoletta <laughs> mentioned that I like went through and edited. So I basically like went through every episode and searched for the word fuck. And I like, changed it to like bang or bone. And then I changed like every shit to crap. And so it just sounds like almost infantile now, but like whatever. Um, and then I said, and then we sent it back and they were like, no, you still have problems. And so Nicoletta went through and did like another path. We were just trying to think of all these like lurid and like profane words. And it was just so unclear. And then finally we were like waiting and waiting. And then they were like, you can't have pussy. 
which was just so weird. Wow. And whereas if they had just turned around and said that in the first place, you'd have gone, oh, okay, fine. Don't like it, but now you know exactly what you've got to target yeah. to get back on there. And I don't know why these people uh, or companies won't just say this is what we class as explicit. They obviously have a criteria, otherwise they wouldn't have taken it down. I mean, I almost... I mean, I think they leave it subjective for for a reason. It seems like it gives them more power to just make rules when they want to, um, you know, as a as a company. Then they can just say and cancel you at a moment's notice, which is really scary when you depend on, you know, whether it's your livelihood or income or whatever mm-hmm. from some of these platforms. And so, I think they, they leave it open on purpose. Yeah, totally. So like. It's very subjective and there's not someone like going through and checking, you know, on a weekly basis with social media and with this, it's like somebody has to report you for it to even be on their radar. So that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. How would they have even come across They just decided they're going to put a new piece of software in the software, find you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. It's just completely unclear. And kind of just to come back to what Nicoletta was saying about deplatforming and the no reason like when we finally got back on we recognized that it was like immense privilege to be given back our account with our subscribers and our reviews and everything because mm. because we are so sex work adjacent we have a lot of sex workers on our podcast so we're very familiar with the things that happen to them and you know, one of our most yeah. popular episodes yeah. of all time is this interview with this wonderful couple Levi and said they actually got married yesterday um and uh, they're both, Aww. you know, they have vanilla jobs, but they're also both sex workers. And Levi has gotten just deleted from Twitter like three times in the last month. Um, one of our, one of our co, we're part of a podcast collective called Pleasure Podcasts, and one of our fellow podcast or, yeah. or collective members, Shameless Sex, they got their Instagram taken out, down out of the blue. And fortunately. I th- like I think because we're podcasts and not um, necessarily sex work, we have gotten they got their accounts back. But I just want to acknowledge that we're very lucky in that way, and most people who get deplatformed don't get reinstated. But this is the thing, isn't it? There, there is absolutely no power. There is no one you can turn to. There's nothing you can ask for. If they decide, they decide, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, what are your options? If you get taken down off a platform, what are your options? You have no options. That's the problem, it seems. Because especially in the likes of Apple, and if you're a podcaster, you need to be on there to be picked up by all the others, really, don't you? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you can definitely host in in other places, and we could – I mean, part of me wanted to just say, like, screw it. Like, exactly. (laughs) Like, let's just stay off of it. And stay on these other platforms, but it was, you know, a, 40%, a large chunk of our listeners. 40% of our listeners come from Apple. Yeah. And so, so, so we, we could drive traffic to other places, but it's just, I mean, that's tough. So I feel like we're having to work in like a emotionally oh abusive system. Um, we're just to be clear, we're yeah. not hosted on Apple you're Podcasts. Stuck. So most podcasts, um, maybe you're in this too, but we are hosted on like a separate hosting site. And then we just like push to all the platforms that we're on, like, Spotify and Apple, so we could conceivably continue to exist, but yes, our listenership would be severely decreased. 
But that's the problem with Apple, isn't it? Everyone feeds off of the Apple mm. list effectively. So, silence, so taking you off that list is a, it effectively silences you unless right. they can find you through other means. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's not a, it's not like a mom and pop organization that like cares about customer service and relationships. Like, we're just one of many in their eyes, and so they don't care usually. You know, so no matter how many like emails or calls you make, it can take hours sometimes to even talk to like a real live person and not just get like a standard thing back. So the folks that I've heard who have often been able to like reverse some of these things are people who know people, people who maybe have the relationship or the privilege with like somebody high up um, who can help or folks who have the time and resources to literally just keep calling and calling Mm -hmm. Like I even had the privilege of like contacting a a legal person um, to be like, do I have any, you know, rights here? Um, Yeah, any recourse. Um, And so we just tried to like hit the ground running from all angles. But it was, I don't know, it was sad and stressful, Mm -hmm. but also a reminder of like why we're doing this kind of work. So do you find that instead of demoralizing you, it's kind of... um, I mean, it was a huge publicity boost, quite frankly. Like, every, like we were outraged because like our, our <laughs> listeners, yeah. I mean, first of all, our listeners are fucking great. Um, and they were like, what can I do? Like our message was super amplified. People <laughs> were, you know, tweeting out at Apple podcasts and yeah. um, it, like our guests also were really outraged. So they told it to their, you know, audience. Um, and so that was that. So I, I guess you could say that sort of like backfired against Apple in that people were demanding and calling them out as to whether or not, you know, a couple hundred or I don't even know how many people uh, mentioned it. Did that have any effect on us getting reinstated? Probably not, but it did have an effect on our outreach and our remaining relevant and people getting excited to um, hear our work. And our morale. I was (laughs) going to say, it it must really give you a boost to know that you've got that kind of support out there for what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it sucks that it had to happen through, like, an upsetting thing, but it, it was a really lovely, like, heartwarming reminder, and I, I felt, we felt very supported. I mean, I think oh, when yeah. I first found out, I definitely went more to the, the other end of things. Like, it didn't initially fire me up. I was like, I was like, are we even doing the right thing? <laughs> are, we, are we talking about the right stuff? Is this a horrible show? Do people mm-hmm. hate us? Like, I just went, like, down the anxious, I can depressed rabbit hole of, like, worst case scenarios and then I talked I to one. <laughs> yeah I think a lot of us know that one. so like then I talked to Simone I talked to another friend of mine who this has impacted her name's Liz Goldwyn she has a show called the sex ed which has also had issues um with censorship and and you know just to hear that like everyone's struggling with this then I started to get like the the fight mentality of yeah. like this is why we're doing this. This is why this is important. Like, don't give up. It, we can keep going. Um, but that wasn't an immediate reaction. I definitely like got down about it because we've spent, you know, time and effort and money and energy, blood, and, sweat, um, tears, and lube, and all of that. And it's just really disheartening. You put a lot of yourself into the podcast. Yes. So it's not just. Um, a, it can feel like a rejection. Do you of have self experience too. with this? Yeah. yeah. So it's understandable. Fortunately, not. I mean, uh, not in so, podcasting terms, but we've had. Oh God, other stuff. We'll talk about that. 
Um, but, I mean, when this happened to you, um, Horde of Yore on Twitter, who is an amazing writer, she had her Instagram account just taken away, and it's gone. Yeah, I saw that. And it's a case of all that work, as you said, all that work you put into it, a bit of yourself, a bit of all this effort, and then just go, no, it's not yours now. It's gone. Well, we actually, there was, yeah, there were repercussions. I mean, yeah, that's the scary part. And I think for, for other, like, creators out there listening, like, the advice that someone else gave me was to really like diversify your content and don't just depend on one thing or social media to get your yeah. stuff out there because it could easily just be gone Yeah, in a moment. Like yeah. you just log in and it's gone. But we had supporters of ours who then faced repercussions. So one of our Very past nice. guests sorry, who sorry talked about uh, being intersex, their name is seven Graham. Um, they, tweeted about us and said something like, you know, lovely and supportive and their Twitter got taken down for hate speech. What? Wow. They reached out to Twitter. They were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so many other people tweeted this. And then they said, okay, we'll give you back your Twitter, but you have to delete this post. So they have their Twitter, but they were required to not. So they have like a wow. picture of the post, but not the post itself. It's, 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 it's just, it's honestly very Orwellian. <laughs> blackmail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just pure blackmail. And I think this is this is the frightening thing, isn't it? We're living in this age where now this is how people communicate, and yet there are people outside the system who can do anything they like, and there seems to be well, no the response. Thing is, there are people on accounts doing things that are really horrendous and should be banned. Yeah. And then people who are trying to educate, inform other people just because it's around yeah. sexuality are penalised for it. It's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what you think, but the example I like to, to use and, like, I don't know this person personally, so I don't want to, like, make them feel bad about their the way they live their life, but just to, like, show you how un, how unfair and subjective it can feel um, – that billionaire Dan Bilzerian. Have you seen his Instagram? No. Oh, pull, pull it on up if oh. you have time. Um, but oh. it's, I mean, look, I no judgment. Like there, his life looks fun in a lot of ways, but you know, he's always posting pictures of like girls in thongs, having pillow fights and like spraying oh, okay. champagne on tits and like, you know, like bouncing boobs on the private yacht and like all of these things, stuff that like, folks like us, educators and our sex workers get immediately removed for. But yeah. he's a billionaire and has millions of followers. Yeah. Money yeah. talks. Unfortunately. Yes, it's sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... it's oh, it, just makes me, it just makes me so angry. Oh, no, I was just bringing up the fact that, like, a lot of um, our sex worker friends who really depend on Twitter... Um, for their livelihoods, they all have backup accounts. They're like, follow me here as well, because this could get taken down any day, which is just a thing to think about. It's, it's a bit sad when you've got to do that, but it's sensible in this, in this climate well, it's just to a, do it. Yeah, it's just what you have to do, isn't it? Protect yourself. Yeah. But why, what are people so scared of? What are people so worried about with these accounts? You know, it's not like it, it's not like you're 
promoting terrorism or anything like that, which is terrifying. You're pre- you know, promoting healthy sexuality. Uh, I think that's a good thing. But, and that's the weird part. Isn't it? What about that is terrifying? Nicola, yeah. do you have a thing it's that you want to natural. say about this? Okay, I think um, sex and sexuality, and by extension, pregnancy and parenthood and whatever. Um, have been used as a tool to oppress and control, and I'm going to say women because even though it's, it's not true, it's really all sort. It's really femmes. So yeah, so sex and sexuality has been used as a tool to oppress, you know, femme folks, um, and really everyone forever. Like that is how you know the puritanical patriarchy functions. Like they are dependent on on people being yep. scared about vocalizing their full selves. And I mean, even we had, we had a guest on this pod on a pod, we had a guest on the podcast, a doula. And she was like, if women knew how fucking strong they were, and this was about relating to, to live birth. Um, so if, if people, if pregnant people knew how fucking strong they were, like patriarchy yeah. would crumble. <laughs> And so I feel like there's a part of that and just like it's so hard to release the shackles of yeah. like puritanism and sex being something that is relegated to the bedroom or even just like the secrecy of your own brain, especially as it relates to some of the topics we talk about like kink or other sorts of alternative forms of sexuality or things that we're really uncomfortable with discussing surrounding sexuality. Do you think it's, um, obviously, because you're both based in the US, do you think there's a difference between sort of US and UK and other other nations? Do you think, think some are more open than others? Oh, definitely. I mean, in, in different ways. I mean, I can't speak to, to living in another country for an extended period of time. But one thing that, I don't know, it's hard to figure out how to express it. But I have lots of um, immigrant clients or just international clients and um, I get to hear different ways that people were raised religiously, culturally, spiritually. And sometimes it's interesting because I find that the things that I'm upset about and complaining about here in the U S are like, it's hard not to feel like there's this hierarchy of freedom in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so on one hand, I want to be like grateful for the fact that we even have this platform to like speak out about this. Um, because there are places that have much less. That doesn't mean we shouldn't keep like fighting for um, for rights, uh, for minority populations, for femmes, for, for everything. Mm. But I also think, um, I don't know, I think living in the States, like there is a privilege of like what we think we should have. Um, and sometimes it can be interesting, I think, to look globally and see how much more we do have. And that's something I sort of have to, to balance because I also want to be a, an activist um, in my life and in my community. But I also see these other cultures and I'm like, wow, we really do have a lot of platforms. Um, when you but there's still, the there's still more that. Oh, yeah, still have. more to do. Yeah. For sure. yeah, yeah. But looking at all the some of the other places um, yes. where we might not even be able to have this conversation or watch yeah. watch a porn video. Um you know, there's a lot worse happening. Um, but that doesn't mean we should stop, you know, trying. 
Oh, absolutely. I think that's the, the weird thing that I see is, yes, there are countries where, in many ways, women are completely oppressed and you couldn't you couldn't even have these conversations. And it seems very strange to me that the US, which prides itself on being such a free country... Free speech. It does. And again, I, I apologise if this seems like I'm trying to bash Americans. It seems that <laughs> there, there does seem... There does seem to be this strange oppression of women and and oppressing sex and talk about sex is a good way to make sure women don't get to have their say. Yeah, and like our entire... I think sometimes it's blatant, but other times it's more insidious. Monogamous, heterosexual, nuclear family idea is predicated on like a man pursuing a woman and she withholds sex until he commits to her and then they have sex and she really only has sex to placate him. And um, like once women own their sexuality, and again, I use women very, uh, you know, in a, in a metaphorical way, if you will. Um, uh, once, you know, those folks claim it, yeah, yeah it kind I mean, of, that whole thing breaks down. And, you know, America has been so focused on that you know, one man, one woman, two and a half kids, white picket fence, suburbia, two cars, or 2.1 kids or whatever it is. So, so yeah, that's, I think that's part of it. And so many women or you know, whatever folks who were assigned at birth, both the sex and gender performance of to be a woman, they're finding out later in life that a they might not be that, and also b that they have this incredible set force of sexuality, and they're yeah. starting to explore it later on, and then things start to to fissure and crumble. And it, it does seem that the American tech companies have are, are just taking this forward. If that well, makes another sense. important thing to remember is that there is legislation that puts these companies at risk. So um, there's this law called FOSTA SESTA, and before like uh, before FOSTA-SESTA is like third-party internet providers, platforms were not responsible for the content that users posted, um, like liability-wise. And now after FOSTA-SESTA passed, which I think was in May of last year, these platforms are responsible, which is in part why we've Hmm. seen this incredible uptick in um, sex workers and sex work adjacent things becoming deplatformed because these companies are at legal risk, which is like the goal of FOSTA SESTA. Like the intention behind FOSTA SESTA is to like stop sex trafficking, but you know, that's not what it's doing. It is like literally killing sex workers and getting rid of their platforms and making them unable to vet clients and unable to speak to each other. Um, Yeah, so that's, that's the, that's why it's so intense, especially right now. In my opinion. So, is there a way out? Is there something that can be done to make it better? I mean, I'd like to think that we're trying to do that. I think in in keeping on, and I mean, thank you for having us on to to talk about this. I think I think it's important for all the folks in our sex education and adjacent communities like stick together. I mean, I think there can be uh, competitiveness and all of that, but we're already such a small group of people. And I think it is growing, but like we really need to, to support each other, support each other. 
um, and to bind together. I mean, just kind of adding on to what Simone said, I think it's the old adage (laughs) of like, you know, knowledge is power. And I think people are afraid when folks have um, freedom of thought and what they can do, what they can do with that. Um, but I like think it's important to just Patreon.com keep, yeah, I mean, scholars. for the listeners, support your podcast that you like, you know, whether that's, <laughs> <laughs> yes, give us your money. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, support, speak out, like, tr- don't be silenced. I mean, it would be great if we had some of these, like, I get that when you're the head of a large company, you may be hired to like protect the company. And so if there is a liability from legislation like FOSTA-SESTA, you might want to be like, well, we just don't want to deal with that. Um, but I hope that in time there will be enough pushback that people will continue to, um, I don't know, that companies might step up and like help us act, I don't know, help us navigate this. And then they have a lot of, a lot of people power and money behind them that we may continue on. I think you just said something really interesting about uh, like galvanizing people and creating pushback. And part of me was like, why are people not angrier about this, right? Like why is it so focused to um, those who are sex workers, those who are sex worker adjacent, who have like personally experienced this deplatforming and like when people speak out, it's not really taken seriously by legislators or politicians. And I think that kind of ties back to your question about like why it's so whack in America. And I feel like sex and like healthy sex and healthy sexuality is not seen as like a basic need, but rather as a luxury in this country. And I think that is, is really problematic and that we don't want to, yeah, we like don't place healthy sexuality and healthy relationships on the same thing as like healthy nutrition. And I think, yeah, I mean, if it's from a puritanical standpoint, it's just considered like a pleasure of the flesh. Right. And so if you're someone who supports this, then you're hedonistic. I'm going to, I was just going to say, I'm going to, going to throw a little bit out there. Um, so does it also depend on, on your definition of healthy? Mm. Because one person's healthy is another person's unhealthy. Or another person. You know, what I may class as healthy sex may not be someone else's classification of it. And even not unhealthy, even like degenerate. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we also live in a, I mean, if we're talking about cultural norms, you know, we live in a country that is not uh, proactive in terms of healthcare. And so we like to, you know, charge an arm and a leg to clean up the mess afterwards, but there's yeah. not enough really put into the preventative measures. Um, and so yeah, that's true. On that. Yeah, that's true for all health stuff, whether that be sexual yeah. health or sex ed. To me, when I think of healthy, it's being uh, risk aware and consensual. Yeah. Um, and I think this is where podcasts have such an important part now. And the internet and, you know, YouTube, that, the, the people like what you're doing, you can pick up the slack of what has not been taught for years and actually bring this to the front and say, look, this is normal, this is fine. And That's, you're right, the more people who start talking about it, the better. It's a conversation, and the conversation needs to keep going Yeah, mm-hmm. and not be suppressed. Mm-hmm. There's a saying, I think it's from AA, um, but it's the saying is it might be shit, but at least it's warm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really, I use this a lot with clients, but I like this saying for this because it's sort of like, 
it's hard to challenge the status quo, like within your own life yeah. and within the community around you, because part of, you know, what our bodies want is to like stay in what's comfortable. And so like, even if something is shit, it's easy to sort of be a bystander and get comfortable in it because it's like, Oh, I know this, like this is familiar. Mm-hmm. But I also think mm-hmm. hearing you talk about how, you know, the United States is falling short and podcasts are filling the gap in an interesting way that just like is truly emblematic of this concept of free market capitalism and that what the government doesn't provide private individuals will. And I mean, I love that we have a podcast that people listen to and people care about, but it, I mean, even like it should not, we should not have to fill the gaps that people should be getting in their sexual and relationship health education. Like that's also really Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And again, sex. We've talked about this on our show. Mm-hmm. Sex education everywhere is lacking, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's being taken away instead of being put in place. More. I think all societies have always had problems talking mm-hmm. about it, and the internet's opening that up. And we're on the, the sort of dawn of a new age of people being much more free with who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think it, it is improving in, in some areas and in some parts of the world, but there's so much more to to do and to include and to educate parents too. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> like it really does start in the home. We had a, a great interview, Melissa Carnegie, yeah. who does um, sex-positive families and just talking to your – because, I mean, I don't know at what age you get sex ed in the UK, but – you know, in the United States, I think you get something, I mean, you get very like kid appropriate stuff in primary school. And then I think you get something in uh, seventh grade, which is when you're 12. And then I think you get something in like health class when you're in ninth grade, which is when you're about 15. And I mean, it's just so dependent on the states. Like, a, like there is literally United States taxpayer federal funding that goes to abstinence only sex education. That is unethical. Oh, that is irresponsible. And yeah, yeah, that's that's just creating a problem. I mean, absolutely. Like the number one thing to prevent abortions, like you want to prevent abortions, conservative right? Then teach people how to not get pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Educate. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Insolence does not work, <laughs> but they keep it. It keeps going back to that because that is what they want to believe, that abstinence is the only way, instead of looking at it with honest eyes. Oh, we're going to get very political in a minute if we're not careful. <laughs> the personal is political. Yeah, you're right, it is political. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and and in many ways, this is this is how you control a population, is by doing some exactly. of these things. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Right, I'm going to get too angry if we carry on. <laughs> where, where can everyone find you? Uh, we're on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. We're on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. You can subscribe to us on basically any podcast platform. Please do. If you're already a subscriber, leave us a review and rate us. That always fucking helps for visibility. Um, you can email us at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. And above all, as Nicoletta said, one of the best things you can do to support the work we're doing is to come support us on patreon.com slash sluts and scholars, which means the world to us. And you get a lot of cool perks like stickers and special episodes. 
Ooh, who doesn't love stickers? Also, Nicoletta, shout out your own stuff because Nicoletta, <laughs> separate from the podcast, is just this incredible um, sexologist, sex therapist, um, sex positivity activist. <laughs> Thank you for um, also being my publicist. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mostly see clients uh, locally in the Los Angeles area, but for folks who don't live in LA or Southern California, I also do coaching and consultation. Um, so you can find me at nicolettavheidegger.com um, or just reach out through Sluts and Scholars and I'd be happy to set you up. I also love just connecting people to mental health resources in their cities and communities. So feel free to reach out and um, I'd be happy to send you some, some you stuff. You can also find her on Instagram at Ms. Heidegger. Mm-hmm. Thank you. My <laughs> publicist again. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's, it's been, been fantastic. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you for wanting to interview us. Oh my gosh. It's like yeah. always nice. It's, it's always like nice slash interesting slash nerve wracking to be on the other side. Yeah, it's terrifying, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> We're like that. Yeah. We just go, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. I'll save someone else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we're much happier on the other side of this. <laughs> but seriously, thank you for having us and letting us have an additional platform to, to talk about this. And we're, we're very grateful for, for the opportunity. And if you're going through the same experience, like feel free to reach out to us and we'd be happy to talk you through what we did. But um, it's tough. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.